The LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Community Podcast. Presentations and interviews with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Dan Kowalski of the Fowler Law Firm in Austin, Texas, and online editor of Bender's Immigration Bulletin Daily Edition on the Arizona Immigration Law. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis Legal Podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Dan Kowalski is an attorney with a Fowler Law Firm in Austin, Texas. He received his B.A. at the University of Texas at Austin and his J.D. from the St. Mary's University School of Law in San Antonio. Dan is the editor-in-chief of Bender's Immigration Bulletin and Immigration Law and Procedure Desk Edition. He's a past member, Board of Governors, American Immigration Lawyers Association, and past chapter chair of Colorado chapter of AILA. And Dan is the online editor of Bender's Immigration Bulletin Daily Edition. Dan, before we get into the uh, Arizona immigration law, uh, tell us first a little bit about yourself and how you got into immigration law. I am from Denver, Colorado, but now I'm living in practicing in Austin. Uh, in my last semester of law school, a, a thousand years ago, I took immigration law as an elective and fell in love with it. And so for the past 25 years, come this May, uh, I will have done nothing else but immigration law. So it's been the only thing I've been interested in professionally, and it's been a, a roller coaster ride every day. It's always exciting. And since 1996, I've been the editor of Bender's Immigration Bulletin, which is a print publication uh, published by LexisNexis, primarily for immigration practitioners, uh, immigration professors, and uh, it is a subscription-only uh, magazine uh, published twice a month. The content is uploaded to Lexis.com, so if you have a Lexis account, you're able to access the content of uh, BIB, Bender's Immigration Bulletin, on Lexis. I also edit a free public daily website called Bender's Immigration Bulletin Daily Edition, BIBDaily.com. And that's a site uh, of links to a variety of uh, news items and government memos and cases. So it's a mix. There's something for everyone, something for practitioners uh, and for the general public, uh, non-lawyers as well. And you've recently joined a new firm. Yes, I've been with uh, a variety of firms in the past moving around the country, but this month I joined the Fowler Law Firm, a wonderful group of primarily civil lawyers, and they decided to expand into immigration law, and so Robert Kershaw and I, another immigration lawyer in Austin, have joined them. So we're very happy to be here and look forward to increasing their uh, abilities in anything having to do with immigration. Sounds like it should be a good fit. Yes. The Immigration Bulletin Daily Edition has been loaded with news and information about the Arizona immigration law. We knew this was coming. SB 1070 is the, the, the number of the bill, Senate Bill 1070. It purports to import federal law uh, on the state level. In other words, criminalizing 
the unlawful presence uh, of someone in the state of Arizona if they lack a proper immigration status and empowers uh, state and local law enforcement to question and detain individuals if there's reasonable suspicion that the individual lacks proper immigration status. And that, well, there, there are a host of problems. We can, we can talk for hours about it. But the two primary problems uh, with the law, and they knew this going in, are one, the federal preemption question, and two, which in the long run may be more problematic, a very practical uh, issue, a question of how does a law enforcement officer form a reasonable suspicion that the person detained uh, is or is not in lawful immigration status. In other words, there are a variety of legal statuses ranging from U.S. citizen to green card holder to non-immigrant visa holder. Uh, There are almost literally dozens of of non-immigrant visa statuses, uh, tourists, students, investors, technical workers. Then there are refugees, asylees, parolees. Parole is a technical term under the Immigration Nationality Act. So the laundry list of possible statuses that a living human being in Arizona might have is sort of staggering. And so it, it presents a very real practical problem for police officers, uh, state troopers, etc., to try to determine uh, a person's legal status. And it goes beyond the superficial, too, because in a very real and, and also a technical sense, the determination of someone's legal status can only be made by the attorney general or his or her delegate, and that means an immigration judge or member of the Board of Immigration Appeals. So we don't know how this is going to play out, but in one sense, one could say, well, the police officer forming this reasonable suspicion that uh, Joe Jones is really a a French citizen who's here out of status in violation of his visitor's visa would have to first check with an immigration judge to get a determination of the status violation. Now, that's a little extreme, but you, you see the problem. And I could go on and on about the, the technical problems that law enforcement officers will have in determining someone's immigration status. The other half of it is, is more technical and legal, and that is the preemption aspect. In general, uh, immigration is a federal matter, a matter for the federal U.S. Congress to rule on and, and make laws about and then for the federal government to to execute. And in general, the states and localities are precluded from doing the same sort of thing unless there's an empty field, unless the the federal government has not addressed the issue. So that, the preemption issue, is going to be one of the main aspects of the lawsuits, two, I think two of which have been filed already. We're expecting another lawsuit from a collection of groups, MALDEF, uh, the ACLU, NILC, and others are going to, uh, they say, in the press conference on Thursday, the 29th, 
Uh, they say they're going to file a, a joint lawsuit soon. There's also information coming from the uh, Department of Justice that they are looking at the law, and, and it, it's possible that the, the Department of Justice would file its its own challenge. So one of the very real practical issues that this presents for lawyers on both sides is the fact that, as you know, when, when a lawsuit's filed in federal district court in any state, in any federal district, the cases are assigned at random. There's no forum shopping, no judge shopping. So at first blush, the fortunes of any given lawsuit depend on which judge is, is hearing the case. Then it depends in large part on the skill of lawyers on both sides, teams of lawyers on both sides. And then, depending on the ruling of the federal district court judge, if it is appealed in this case, uh, I would go to the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, it would depend on which panel of three appellate judges the case landed on. And, and some are more favorable to immigrants, some are more favorable to the state's position or the government's position. So there is both skill and luck involved in the way these lawsuits play out. And is the preemption issue the central issue in these lawsuits? Yes, and I think everyone would, would uh, agree with that. What has captured the imagination of the public and the press is more the the profiling issue, the papers please issue, the uh, question of, of stopping and, and determining who is legal and who is not. But from a technical standpoint, the major issue in the lawsuits uh, will be this very dry, boring, non-sexy issue of federal preemption. And in addition to the practical and legal issues aspect of all this, there's also a political aspect to it too, correct? That's right. And it uh, has galvanized the uh, Congress and the president into talking about a comprehensive immigration reform again when it uh, when it appeared that the issue had gone to sleep at least until after November 2010. But now, in the wake of this attention caused by the Arizona statute, two things are happening. One, Congress is looking at it again, and Senators Reed, Schumer, and Menendez floated a proposal which is called the Repair Bill. I don't have it in front of me to, to tell you what the acronym stands for, but 26-page proposal. It's not a bill that's been filed yet, but it's, a, it's an outline, a rather detailed outline. And so they're looking for uh, Republican support on that. The, the other thing is that other states are looking at similar legislation, copycat legislation, if you will. And here in, in Texas, Governor Rick Perry, a Republican, uh, has gone on record as saying that he does not think that the Arizona approach would be right for Texas, which is interesting because although he's a uh, conservative Republican, a strong law and order, a strong border control advocate, still he knows that to alienate the uh, Latino uh, population in Texas, voting population, which is the fastest growing uh, demographic in Texas, would be uh, political suicide. Well, there have been some modifications to the Arizona statute, right? Yes, and they're not really um, important in the long run because 
we just don't know, and we'll talk about that, about this at the end. We just don't know uh, how it's going to play out in the in the wake of these lawsuits. We've already seen that some police chiefs in Arizona and Mayor Phil Gordon, the Phoenix Mayor Phil Gordon, for example, have expressed their disappointment with the bill and their willingness to to challenge it on their own or or not enforce it. So it's it's created a a great deal of controversy, even in Arizona, among government officials, including law enforcement. I think I read a quote somewhere where one Arizona law official uh, was quoted as saying, gee, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. That's right. And as one uh, columnist wrote, only the lawyers will cheer no matter what happens, because if a U.S. citizen, for example, or a green card holder or someone who has a visitor's visa in lawful status, but just doesn't happen to have his or her paperwork handy, happens to be uh, wrongfully arrested, uh, we could see a, a spate of uh, wrongful arrest lawsuits. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, the law permits private citizens to bring lawsuits against individuals, uh, government officials, or governmental entities such as a police department or departments, say, of, of say a city hospital or school or library that they feel is not adequately enforcing the law. So everyone, it, it just could create a, a bonanza for lawsuits in every, in every direction. Speaking of lawsuits, we touched generally on uh, those that were being filed. What effect do you think they're going to have on the enactment of the Arizona law? I mean, how do you see all this shaking out? You, you raise the, the most interesting practical point, and, and that is, uh, and some of us, uh, when this was first uh, happening, we knew this was coming. We don't think it's ever going to take effect. I will be surprised if the law takes effect in 90 days as it is intended to because through one or more of these lawsuits, I expect that one or more federal district court judges will issue a a TRO, a temporary restraining order or an injunction, uh, preventing the law from going into effect for the duration of the litigation, which could take, as you know, months or even years. So frankly, personally, I'll be very, very surprised if the law actually goes into effect. So in in that sense, it's something of a, of a false alarm. It's, it's gotten people very stirred up and very worried and some people very afraid of almost as if the law is in effect today and they're going to be arrested tomorrow when, when in fact, the law is slated to go in effect, uh, what, about uh, 85 days from now. But I'm 99.9% sure that we'll have a federal injunction in place preventing the law from going into effect. And as you mentioned, there's the entire appeals process to to think about and consider. Exactly. And to be frank, uh, I believe, uh, no way to prove this, but I I believe that some of the people involved in uh, creating and promoting the law had this in mind and knew that it would happen and are doing it precisely to set it up for a challenge going all the way to to the U.S. Supreme Court, because there are issues, including the preemption issue, that certain proponents of the bill want to see revisited at the Supreme Court level. So it's sort of a long way to go and a hard way to go, but if if, <laughs> if you want to get something reviewed by the Supreme Court, you've, you've got to start 
at the lowest level, and, and this is what they've they've done. So, it's it's possible that in two to three years we could see this statute, the state statute, at the Supreme Court. And people can certainly follow the developments as to what's going on with the law and the lawsuits that have been filed by reading about it on the Bender's Immigration Bulletin Daily Edition, of which you are the online editor. Dan, thank you very much for being part of our LexisNexis legal podcast and uh, talking about these issues and giving us your views on them. Hopefully we'll have you back uh, again soon for further developments. It would be my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the LexisNexis Emerging Issues Law Community Podcast. Copyright 2010 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. Visit the LexisNexis communities at www.lexisnexus.com community. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.